Okay, welcome to the Filmwork Podcast again, and it's part two of the Tony Scott retrospective. Ben Pegley is still here. Hello, yes, I'm still here. Let's see if we can do as well as we did on the first half. Right, so we're starting, continuing with Tony Scott's film, The Fan, with... Is this his only film with Robert De Niro? Um, it could be. I think so, and Wesley Snipes. And this one was 1996. I saw this one at the cinema, so I'm right into it. I think the film was a bit of a flop when it came out. I don't think it did well, critically or money-wise either. Mm. But uh, I went and saw it. I remember, uh, I think the the thing that came out when I walked away from the film initially it was like, wow, there was loads of Nine Inch Nails on the soundtrack. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> um, but But really badly shoehorned in. It didn't really make much sense. Yeah, it didn't seem to to associate itself with either of the main characters. So, sort of. yeah, yeah. So but good, I mean, that yeah. that would be a running thing uh, with Scott. Cause I know in a few of his films, he uses sound bites from. It, it, he he got better at it, especially in Man on Fire. When we get to that, he mm. was using sound bites from songs from the Fragile album. But with yeah. this one, it was literally just like riffing off closer, and it sounded mm. a little bit too much like Seven opening credits, where they used uh, the, an edit of closer on there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, this one, did you see it at the cinema? No, I didn't actually. Um, oh. I didn't. I didn't. I remember it coming out, and I remember the trailer and all that stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. no, I didn't. It didn't. I didn't get to see it in the end. Um, unusual for me. Usually, I'm usually captain <laughs> cinema, aren't I? But uh, no, I didn't. I wish I had actually, because it's a. I, I, yeah, it's a good movie. Ah, so what? Well, I take it you caught it on video when it had come out, or is it one that you saw recently? It was a rental. Um, I would have seen it on a, a, a rental, I think, at the time. And um, yeah, I've never owned it. Um, and weirdly, it's one of those. Um, it's one of those movies that I, I, I think um, we'll get to it. But um, it plays quite well, I think, now, especially for people who mm. like Robert De Niro and have forgotten how good he can be in things. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, not to be. Yeah, I don't want to cast aspersions on De Niro but I mean you know I mean, I think most people would say that there's a, been a few too many fuckers uh, yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff going around you know riffing on his own yeah yeah, and, that, and it's just nice to stick a film on that I wasn't you know massively familiar with I'd seen it at the time but it wasn't kind of it wasn't like one that I'd seen dozens of times and, and it was just nice to see him in one of those roles where yeah he, he just kind of that that's you know it's just one where where you go, yeah, that's that's a good, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the same year he had uh, Heat, which was uh, a, a huge deal for him and Al Pacino. And with this one, it was it was kind of they're always going back to playing a nutter again, as he did so well in Taxi Driver, but also Cape Fear. Yeah. And and he does he does he he, he did a does an amazing job. He does. I and I think Wesley Snipes is is pretty good in his role as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean there's a hell of a cast I mean, you've got Benicio Del Toro doing yet another can you understand a fucking word he's saying role yeah. as a primo the guy that pinched Wesley Snipes number yeah uh, well actually he didn't steal it did it it was his number anyway I think yeah yeah. come the, uh, the batting line up uh, Ellen Barkin I think is wonderful uh, the, the motor mouth on the radio yeah as well but I think the film does fall down in its final third for me, I think it gets a little bit too... I mean, you may disagree. I think it gets a little bit too silly. Literally, when they come face-to-face for the first time, 
because he ends up saving his son, doesn't he, from drowning. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the first two thirds in a, in a second, but just very briefly, I think, uh, from that point onwards, I've watched it again recently and thought, well, where honestly can it go from here? And it mm. kind of races too quickly to the point where it goes to, and it's literally from the end of that scene, where, uh, with them together in... Um, Bobby Rayburn's house, Wesley Snipes' character's house, that it just races to get to the crazy a little bit too fast and then has a, a ridiculous uh, closing scene in the rain uh, climax, should I say, at a baseball game, which you would not get <laughs> in, in real life with that much rain. They'd shut that game down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know how hard it is to get rain to appear on film? Yes. And oh my god, you could just. It, it was almost. They must have just been pouring buckets on out of the sky on them. Well, they used to colour it. They would oh, did they? It. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would, like, but I don't know whether they still do anything like that, but in the old days, they would use. They would put milk or. You know, they would put stuff mm. in it to kind of make it opaque so it would appear better on film. Yeah. So you didn't have to deluge, you know, just to get. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I don't know what they do now, but. Um, or, yeah, even then. Yeah, but the uh, but but the film has a, has a good opening because it kind of gets right into the mood of it because you know baseball season's coming up and Wesley Snipes' character Bobby Rayburn has been sold off to a new team for a record amount. Of, what was it like forty million or something? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So and he's the big uh, hitter uh, going. He's the big you know new hot thing. And Robert De Niro's character you you introduce him straight away driving along and he's clearly. Uh, a sports fanatic and he's phoning into radio stations and he's getting on the air and saying stuff and as the film goes on you learn uh, more, more about how much of a fanatic he is to the point where he's almost bullying his own son into playing the game um, yeah. you know his way in to get it right you know he's not trying to mean any harm but he's just <laughs> a little, one step or two away from reality <laughs> Um, and it's nice watching that slow decline of his character uh, taking his son to games but he's also got a job interview to go to and if he doesn't get this job then he's going to not have money to pay the child support because he's not uh, with the wife um, anymore obviously and he ends up abandoning his son at a game he thinks it'll be okay to leave his son at a game unattended while he goes and does this and everything just spirals down from there and you just watch the guy going oh my god this is just getting out of control yeah. and at the yeah. same time you've got the parallel with Wesley Snipes character whose career is also spiralling downwards but it's more to do with what he believes to be bad luck is this based on a book? I have no idea I think it is let me look that yes based on the fan by Peter Abrams right. and it's, it is a wonderful parallel story going on between the two of them until they start to cross over and that's obviously when De Niro's character starts to do things he shouldn't, like murder people. Yeah, yeah, he crosses the Rubicon there, doesn't he? Yeah. But the the bit that I like the the, the most in this film is the scene when they uh, when they have come together and basically De Niro is trying to connect with Wesley Snipes' character, and Wesley Snipes is basically saying that for him it it was all just to do with a number, and it was just a stupid number, and that's all, and it was just his turn to have a bit of a slump in his career and now he's not and he wasn't going to let it bother him anymore um so in essence he gets over his sort of hump by saying you know hey it was all in my head um and it was all bullshit it had nothing to do with other people or politics or anything like that it was just literally bad luck uh over a stupid number um and I like the way that you see De Niro's character turn at that point. It's from what he does from that point onwards, though, that I'm like, eh, we're, we're moving a little bit too quickly. Would you really pinch his son straight away? 
Well, De Niro is, you know, he, he's, you know, he's disappointed. He, he can't believe because mm. he's because he's, you know, his mental state has uh, deteriorated, uh, mm. you know, enough. He can't believe that that Snipes, uh, you know, his him cocking, cocking a snooker at, at his, you know, the kind of sort of, oh well, you know, it's just all bullshit kind of thing. He, yeah. he and he he says that line, doesn't he? He says, you're welcome, you know, kind of thing, in terms of, he, he thinks that, you know, Snipes owes him a debt of gratitude That's for, right, for, yeah. for bumping off uh, Primo. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, Snipes doesn't even know that he did that, but of course, you know, yeah. he, he and he certainly doesn't, uh, yeah, as a sane person, would never sort of uh, admit that this poor guy getting knifed uh, is, uh, you know, how he's derived his uh, turnaround in his career, although that did happen. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a sort of uh, a miss, um, you know, calculation there in terms of the the minds don't meet between the two guys. That, you know, Absolutely, because he's mental. Yeah, and <laughs> it's that nice mental. moment when they're out in the sand, uh, throwing the ball back and forth. Where you see that, but even when uh, Wesley Snipe is being dismissive of the fans to a point, you see that turn yeah. in De Niro's face, and he chucks yeah. the ball at him really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and what that, I like about that is mm. is that there's there is you know you have a definite element of support for De Niro's point of view. Mm. You know, it's not all one way. I mean, what, once the guy has murdered and done and been you know, like I said, crossed the Rubicon and and and, and really kind of gone too far, then then obviously you can't root for him. But in terms of some of the things that he was um, passionate about and and saying, you can kind of understand, especially in in the face of uh, you know someone being so dismissive of it all. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I yeah. think that's a quite a nice dynamic that they play out there. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's certainly what keeps me uh, coming back to the film. Um, and because I bought this when it came out on VHS initially, mm. but uh, uh, but again, I'd not seen it for a, a while before watching it again for uh, I was doing this podcast, but. No, there's something about the end that I'm just. Uh, I think part it is partly to do of the way that it's filmed because they've got all the, just the dramaticness of it all with the rain and everything. Mm. Um, it just gets a bit too ridiculous. But at the same time, you know, some people might say, "Well, you'd shut down the game," but then again, they know what's going on in the sense of this player's uh, son has been kidnapped. Um, they don't. They just don't know that he's actually on the field pretending to be the umpire. Yeah. But uh, you know, you have to take that with a bit of a pinch of salt, I guess. But um, I don't know. There was just something about the way that it ended that I I don't know if I was like, yeah, well, I kind of knew that he would end up getting taken out by the police or what. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. There's just something about this that makes leaves me just sort of like, yeah, I I don't know what I wanted at the end, but it wasn't that. <coughs> yeah, um, I, I, I think it might be a little. I mean, considering yeah, the the movie obviously open to you know he's a salesman right and he's and he's obviously he's extremely frustrated because he's kind of getting on in years and he's not he's not got the kind of you know um he's just not getting bagging the deals and these all these people are turning him down or not even being there for his appointments and stuff and that's yeah you know, and it's all kind of grinding away at him and um you do see his uh, and of course he's you know he has this um you know he does have this uh Rage in him, you know, which which is you know unbottled bit by bit, and and of course the I thought his re- relationship with his son and his son's reaction to him was fantastic, you know, because mm. especially the little kid, I thought the act, little kid actor was really good at at conveying 
this idea that this man is his father and he loves him, but he knows that he's really doing bad things, you know. Yeah. And he doesn't know how to. He's just a kid. He doesn't know how to kind of equate that and 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 work it out in his mind. And it's and he's he's just desperately upset about it all. And I thought he was very very good. Mm. Um, but like you said, once you get to that point where he decides to uh, um, off uh, Primo it does very quickly become wow you know he's he's just kind of just you know he, now he's killed a guy that that's really you know that's a whole level that's several levels yeah. up you know <laughs> and, it's a nice uh, scene as well I like the way that he does take uh, sort of take him out yeah because yeah. you kind of think really you're going to go up against this guy you're going to get your ass kicked but it's literally what he where he puts the knife is like yeah. oh holy shit yeah uh, I remember that being quite surprising for me when I first saw it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And of course, I, I think perhaps if you'd had a more, like say, a more realistic ending where, you know, he just ends up getting beaten down and arrested or something rather than the whole kind of, the full-on, you know, uh, mm. ending like like they did, yeah. You know, I mean, what happened to him in the end? I can't remember. Well, because he goes to sort of, they think he's reaching for a gun and they all shoot him down. That's right, yeah, that's right. Uh, and he goes out with this big glorious bit of Hans Zimmer music it's a little bit you know almost like you know he's I, I, I don't know like, like you would get at the end of a game of someone succeeding yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like he's, he's just scored a home run you know type yeah. music you yeah, know it didn't it didn't of. bother me it's, it obviously doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you but I but I know what you mean you know and I think that last real that, you know, that final sort of act is, is, is pretty it, it does step things up rather too quickly for, for kind of... Yeah, you know. and this is just shy of Wesley Snipes becoming a full-on action hero as well. I mean, all right, we'd had Passenger 57, but yeah. fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, weirdly, to me, this, this, the movie um, m- most... Um, it sort of made me think a little of Falling Down, Michael Douglas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was definitely feeling a bit of that as I was watching mm. it again, you know, and... I, and uh, yeah, that whole kind of frustration, his his frustration, and uh, you know, just everything being against him, and and his inability to deal with it, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's I really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it weirdly a lot more, you know, catching up with it um, for the podcast. The, the yeah, I did. I was time. actually expecting worse things because I knew it had such a horrible reaction by the press when it first came out and although I quite enjoyed it when it first came out I thought oh I'm gonna this is gonna be one of those ones I look back on and go eh. but uh, no it was literally it, it was much better yeah the first two thirds were even better I enjoyed it you just enjoy the performances and the the banter between going back and forth between the supporting characters but then also the deep seated drama among the two leads and I, I enjoyed that thoroughly I, I will definitely get this one on blu-ray when i can find it because it was a dvd that i had to get yeah so i will definitely upgrade to blu-ray for this one but yeah it, it's just that that end but it's literally that we're talking the last 15 minutes mm. or so but yeah whatever can't have it all, can't have it all. so should we go for a rating on this Absolutely. one oh, quite long on that one mm. i am somewhere between a three and a half and a four <laughs> three and three yeah. quarters <laughs> <laughs> Three and three quarters. Yeah. Let's get really ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that it's the same. Yeah. I'd say three and a half, four. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely re- recommend it to, to people. Yeah, I but agree. I would say, you know, with caution, just bear in mind that at the end it has to do, it, it's trying, it does something a little bit more traditional in 
because it's a Hollywood yeah. film, but you know, really, really soak up the, the first half, two thirds uh, of it. it. It definitely holds a, a popularity among sort of people I know, sort of that that belies the, the kind of. Oh, does it? Rating, yeah. I mean, as far as anyone I know who, who has an opinion on it, um, seem to think it's you know it's a good movie. I, I try to stay away from too many people's opinions on Tony Scott movies because I tend to like. I tend to really like the ones that people either haven't seen or don't like so much and I tend to really not like the ones that are very popular like we touched on with True Romance right yeah yeah <laughs> mm. oh speaking of True Romance and that ending let's move on to the Enemy of the State right right so uh, Will Smith Gene Hackman this is in my opinion not a sequel to the conversation which a lot of people sort of go, oh, is it? Is it kind of a sequel? Is it the same character Gene Hackman's playing? I saw the conversation recently, and I can firmly say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Scott is literally in his prime here, I think, in the sense of he is still the big thing. He His, his films are making a ton of money. This one made a shitload worldwide. You know, having Will Smith and Nerja Lead actor probably helped a little bit. But you look at that, this is one of those films where he has like 10, 100 million people in a supporting cast that you recognise. Mm. I'm looking through the list right now and I'm like, yep, know all them. John Voight, Barry Pepper, Regina King, ugh. Yeah. Uh, Ian Hart. He was good. He was in the, that fifth Beatle movie, Backbeat, played John Lennon. He was wonderful in that. Lisa Bonet, wasn't Jason she Lee? in Angel Heart? Yes, she was. Yep. yep. James uh, Legros. Yep, James Legros talked about recently who was in Near Dark. Uh, Jake Busey, Scott Kahn, Jamie Kennedy from the screen film, Jason Lee, yeah! Gabriel Burns, Stuart Wilson in a cameo, Jack Black is in a small role, Anna Gunn, that's the broad from Breaking Bad who plays the mum, Lauren Dean, tons of people, Seth Green, Tom Sizemore, Jason Robards, Philip Baker Hall... You know, you name them, they're in there. And Larry King as himself. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, so all espionage. I think this is a very clever, uh, at times fast-paced, but uh, other times it really slows right down, sort of techno-thriller. I, I think this is a, a great film because of what it was saying about privacy and about what was happening with technology, You know, or what could potentially happen with technology at the time. I think yeah. it's great for that. Other things I don't think it's quite as good for. I saw this one at the cinema mm-hmm. with a bunch of people. Quite enjoyed it, but I came out in a just a red-faced rage because of the ending. Uh-huh. Because of True Romance. I was uh-huh. like, that was the exact same fucking ending, and, yeah. and this one was shot even worse. I did not know what was happening to who. And when I re-watched it recently, I literally sort of hit the pause button started hitting the skip button so I could see it shot for shot to see who was killing who yeah yeah, your your thoughts Um, (laughs) Uh, it made a little bit more sense all you you saw was someone shooting a gun with the camera literally being shook and them shaking in the camera frame as well firing their gun and then it would cut to someone else doing the exact same thing and occasionally you'd see people fall over I uh, yeah I mean uh, yeah I mean when when that when the whole thing when that scene happens uh, yeah you are instantly plugged into true romance and it's like oh okay mm. okay we're gonna do that again are we right fine okay um, yeah on, other than that I yeah I think it's I think it's a very good uh, very enjoyable thriller you know um, yeah he was on the set I mean you know what was it ninety eight so yeah yeah um, yeah Smith was like yeah he was huge and 
Yeah. You know, just kind of. Yeah, it was. It had, I mem- I remember it having a lot of momentum. This uh, this this movie, you know, a lot of exposure. But I mean, it's it's very strange watching it now. If you're the least bit interested in all the kind of stuff, the you know, Edward Snowden stuff and the you know, the Guardians have been putting out and all that kind of stuff. If you, if you're up on any of that with the NSA, uh, yeah, spying programs and all that, this movie is an interesting one to watch <laughs> now. You yeah. know. Um, Considering what they were um, depicting as their surveillance abilities, um, then, yeah. um, which I see, I remember at the time, um, you know, they were they actually they, the, the film actually prom- prompted people to kind of come out and I don't know whether NSA spokesman came out, but certainly people of note sort of came out and you know said, "Oh, there's no way we can do anything like that." <laughs> and this film is sort of denigrates the uh, you know the the esprit de corps and all <laughs> or whatever you know is that kind of thing. And and you know weirdly at the time it, it did seem incredibly far fetched, and some of it still is. You know, some of it is, but. But you know, there's an awful lot of it that really isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Amazing, you know. Um, but I mean, it's more about the sort of tracking. I think the, the thing with it is, is I, I think what's what's happened in like reality is that they, you know, it, it's like they've realised that, you know, what what you all you have to do is just have these giant data centres and just just suck up everything from everyone, and then mm. there you go. You know, you job done. You don't have to actually do any investigation because you've got everything of everyone. Whereas yeah. I think back then in, in, with this film, you're looking at this sort of technology where they're they're kind of using this surveillance technology to kind of focusing on one guy. Yeah. But the thing is, they they would know all about him. They, you know, this is the thing. The actual truth of it is that they would know whether he was a good guy or a bad guy because they'd have all his details already. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but it is interesting watching him. When I watched it the other day, I was it. It does throw a slightly interesting sort of you know current affairs type slant on on, on it you know because it is so um topical but i did enjoy it yeah and i but uh and i think it's still a effective bit of work you know definitely do you think that all the big name and just uh, uh, character actors in here that you recognize did you find do you find them distracting or do you think they aid the cause uh i actually don't find it distracting in this i some you know most of the time i do i mean when we spoke about um Gravity the other week, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, well, that was one of my really my only criticisms of it was the idea of having these giant actors in these roles, kind of slightly pulling you out of the moment. But <laughs> I, I didn't find that with this, even even though I mean I was a big um, Buffy fan, and so sort of seeing Seth Green there, and it was like oh Seth Green, you know, um, you know, it's like no I didn't it didn't bother me I mean I suppose in one way um, in some ways I should say it was kind of cool because you just you didn't know who was going to make it mm. you know because it's like I, I would see someone like you know Jason Robards uh, you know because he's obviously bumped up he's, it's all about him isn't it well, that's right yeah. the, the, he's the, a senator but the congressman yeah. even yeah and um, and so it's kind of interesting I actually had forgotten when I watched it um, recently I'd forgotten that he was you know that they uh, kill him you know and uh, and that's what it's all kind of based on in this idea of this this tape having filmed that, and um, and it was like oh man yeah it was like weird so so Robards is in it for five minutes you know and then um, 
Jason Lee is similarly kind of fairly brief. And um, oh, I was gutted when they killed off Jason Lee because I was heavily into Jason Lee at the time. I'd just been watching things like Chasing Amy and yeah, more rats. rats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, it didn't. It, it doesn't bother me in that sense because I think um, I think for that very reason, I think it adds to the um, when uh, at least the first time you watch it, um, it adds to that sense of you know being. Um, Excited that 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 the the, um, the game's afoot, you know, and, and yeah. the sort of um, all bets are off, and anyone could go, you know, except for Will Smith, of course. <laughs> yeah, Hackman, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the performances. I do. I think when I was watching it, I was getting a bit distracted just because I was watching out for how each of these guys that I'd sort of seen in many other films were performing. Yeah, um, I particularly liked uh, Jake and Scott, uh, their little team up. As the sort of muscle men with the with the guns and the giant fucking hairdos, yeah, their hair is just you know pointing to the stars, uh, stuff like that. I was a bit annoyed that fucking Jack Black got to live um, yeah, he was at the end, last, wasn't he? Yeah. But uh, but that's okay because like the year before, I saw him torn apart by this giant fucking cannon and the Jackal remake, so that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, um, I, I think it's just sort of entertaining. I think it does slow down a bit and then it picks up again when Hackman joins the picture literally halfway through yeah. and then you, you almost have a, a second film start because you've got the the banter going on between these two as they are on the run together Yeah. this time and then you get to that ending and oh I, I, I wanted to switch it off because I knew what was coming but I, I thought right, pay attention watch it this time see if you can figure out what's going on and it's it's an unholy mess I mean I have to give credit to True Romance at least I knew what was going on in True Romance it was just over very quickly but it was done quite well but this one, I, I, I don't like the way it was done. It was, it was rushed and it was all over the place, and it, it just annoys me. I was like, what a waste of a cast! You couldn't have a, a long, a longer action uh, set piece. It's, it has to be one of these. It's all over in five seconds, kind of things. Yeah. And it did. Uh, it didn't work for me at all. Well, I think um, also. I mean, one of the one of the problems that I had with it uh, in being a, a riff on. Uh, on the, um, the the apartment you know hotel thing we're seen in um, mm. the apartment scene in um, uh, True Romance is, is the idea that you know you got all these uh, you know people you know, some of them sort of you know have to survive the the situation and and you know they're in a restaurant yeah you know there's and and you, and you get this sensation that I mean I, I felt that the the um, choreography of the whole of that whole sort of shootout was such that you know man I don't can't imagine anyone surviving that you know, you know what I mean and I can't even imagine enough people getting enough shots out to to get everyone that died di- dead do you know what I mean it's, it's, it seemed like it just I mean in true romance it seems to work and in this it doesn't yeah. and of course you get this idea that um, you know and, yeah, and yeah. you do get this complete sort of oh man I've seen this yeah but, I mean, with True Romance, I've, I've sort of come round because I hated that when I first saw it at the time. You know, I came out, you know, again, red-faced and really angry. But nowadays, I, I accept it for what it is. And it is, you know, I have to give it, like I said, credit where it's due. It was filmed pretty well. Yeah. You just have to pay attention because yeah. a lot of people, you know, are just, you know, gone. <laughs> I love it. Tom Sizemore in particular in that film is gone. In fact, in this one, he's, he's just gone like that. Yeah. So it's okay. It, it will become a bit more dated as time goes on and as technology moves on. But it's the idea of it that uh, sells it well, and the also I think the uh, the fact that a lot of the actors in there are still quite well known. That it is a, an enjoyable watch. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's no higher than a three for me. 
Yeah, it's a three. Yeah, definitely. On, on, a, on a day when I'm being mean, I'd go under that, but it's, I'd say a three. It's quite long, too. It is. It's over two hours. Like I said, every now and again, it does actually sort of slump a little bit. Mm. Yeah, but uh, well, it's okay. But okay. it's not one that I, I, I wouldn't upgrade this one to Blu-ray. I, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I saw the next one at the cinema as well. I'm on a roll. Oh, 2000... 2001 for Spy Game. Spy Game. Robert Redford and Brad Pitt teaming up again. They had previously done uh, River Runs Through It, which yes. Redford directed with yes. uh, Brad Pitt in. So and and he was he was always supposed to be how he was uh, a young Robert a young Redford. Robert Redford. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I suppose it was only a matter of time before they came together on screen, mm-hmm. and it was with this. And when I first saw this one, I remember I came out because I was not paying attention and I was like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened there um, this time round I was watching it I was paying a little bit more attention but I was just like oh no it's just fucking boring <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of this I mean it's not terrible but it's it, it's a bit messy there is a lot of going back and forth between different locations and in some cases different time periods uh, yeah. throughout the film as we get the backstory of Brad Pitt becoming the spy who works for Robert Redford's character and then in the present day with Robert Redford sort of you know last day at work trying to uh, tidy a mess up which uh, Brad Pitt has created abroad but was it all his fault was it actually Redford's fault and what's actually going on blah 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 <laughs> and I just didn't find the mystery at work uh, with Redford having to deal with all the you know the the, the, the suits yeah. in the room wasn't doing it because they're obviously trying to cover their own asses and blame everybody else namely Brad Pitt and if they can Robert Redford's character um, and he has to basically work around that in order to make things work for himself and then also to get Brad Pitt off the hook who we currently believe to be in uh, captivity because he gets captured at the beginning doesn't he Yeah. yes and it's all about a woman well it's sort of all about a woman sort of yeah Redford's arc isn't but yeah yeah, I I like it. I I I liked the idea of the you know the old guy, uh, retiring guy. Uh, yeah, I liked his his change of heart in terms of you know going against his own rules and and using yeah you know, he uses his own money to 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 basically set up this operation to to that's to right yeah to bail him out yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, which is completely against his sort of mantra of of you know. Mm. Uh, that he teaches uh, uh, Pitt at the beginning, but I mean, I, I I liked it. I liked him. I'm not. I wasn't a massive fan of Pitt in it. Um, yeah. I did like Redford's uh, character and his and his arc. I liked it. I liked his yeah. delivery. You know. But one thing that did did bother me was the chopping around in 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 times mm. because no one seemed to age very much, and there were some <laughs> points where it seemed like, oh, that's so weird because no one, really, okay. you know. He doesn't look that young there, but he's got to be. And he doesn't look that old there, but he's got to be. And you think, ah, that's weird. <laughs> I just found a lot of the with him running around the office, and because it's not necessary, it's not a, well, it's not even remotely an action piece. Mm. But for this money that his his own money, you find out in the end, he's actually he's not he's not just paying for something. He's doing it through other means of paying through property. Yeah. And I just I remember watching it going. I think this and Enemy of the State. I think. Tony Scott has been watching far too many Tom Clancy movies and he wants to make his own. Yeah. But, eh, whatever. Stephen Delane is suitably sleazy as the, the, the CIA director or deputy director that's in it. Yeah. The young guy that he's having to deal with. Yeah. 
we're big fans of him in the film 44 inch chest which uh, we keep recommending to people but no 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 I, I, I just find this one a bit tedious and a bit dull in places I think Tony Scott was slow starting to go on this sort of downward slope a little bit quality wise mm-hmm. um, but it's still shot very much like a, a Tony Scott film there's lots of helicopter aerial shots there's that grainy look that you get on his uh, films is, is definitely in there there's no denying that you're watching a Tony Scott film yeah. but um, I, it's just not one that's compelling enough for me but I, I understand what you mean about certainly Redford's performance it, it certainly, it's certainly got performances in there I just think with, with a, a, a title like Spy Game and these two actors I expected something a little bit more tense it, it does set up an expectation that's slightly different to what it actually is I, I would mm. say that you know, that title yeah a similar film that I would uh, put people onto for a, like, a double bill would be to watch this, but also watch the George Clooney film, Confessions of a... The one with Sam Rockwell, when he plays the Chuck Barris, the real-life game show host, but he's also a, a professional killer. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yes, I remember Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. That's it, Confessions of a Yeah, because you get, the, you get a flashback structure with that one as well, of him going to work in a very, very similar way that you see Brad Pitt going to work. To, and it and it's a, a a much better film and it's it's really good. Um, yeah, I saw that one it. at the at the flicks and and um and but I haven't seen it since. I mean, it's like uh, definitely one of those ones where you sort of at the time you go see it and then you sort of forget yeah. about it. I mean, I literally couldn't think what you were yeah. talking about and then all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, I had it on a pile to give to Droney. We were going to do it as one of the film club episodes, but we just not got around to it yet. So it may well pop up because mm. it, it stylistically it's a wonderful film as well. Well, Rock um, is awesome. He, you know, he's, he's very watchable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. By game, I'm going to be cruel and say two. Mm, I'd probably give it... Uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd give it a three. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on to Man on Fire. Oh, yeah. Now, this yeah. is uh, 2004, so I'd moved to London at the time. I did not see this in the cinema. I saw it on disc eventually and uh, I was a bit it's, every now and again you watch a film and you, you watch it and you're like oh god this is just going to be a typical this again typical that and oh great there's a annoying child actor in there that I can't stand and slowly as you watch it you're like oh and uh, you, you watch it with the with the wrong intentions as well like, I was like yay Mickey Rock's back <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah, in it for like that, yeah. three fucking shots at best <laughs> so when I came away from it I, 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 I don't know if I was disappointed but I was like that wasn't what I expected but I went back to it again and watched it and I've watched it again and again over time and this is one of my favourites from Tony Scott's back catalogue. I love this film, Man on Fire, and the the rewatch value on this it is it is tremendous. It really is. It keeps giving <laughs> every time I watch it. Yeah. Did you see this one at the flicks? Um, I think I did. Yes. Um, I'd like to say I did. Um, it sounds like I should have done. Um, yes. Um, second film with the... Denzel Washington. Sorry. That's his second film with Denzel Washington yeah, yeah. out of five. I mean, he's definitely becoming, you know, the muse, soon to be mused, Scott Muse. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a great film. Um, mm. Yeah, it was one. I see. I've got a. Um, I think my my ability to handle, uh, you know, uh, children in movies is kind of. It's, it's different from yours, I'd say. Yeah, I probably said that wrong. 
I, I was expecting her to be annoying, but she was good. That's right. Yeah, she is yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I did not like her in Bore the Bulls. That film can go fuck. Yeah, no. Or, uh, <laughs> or what was that thing? Push or something she did? Or, uh, I didn't see that. Oh, the one where Chris... Um, not Pine. almost said Chris Pine again. Chris fucking Captain America. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> um, <laughs> Evans. Evans, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, no, it's a, it's marvellous, marvellous, marvellous movie. I love that it takes so long to get going. We were talking a two and a half hour film here. Yeah. So long to get going before, and the, the character is just fascinating. The family setup is great. Have you watched the deleted material on this? Um, some there of is, it. There is, there is a ton of deleted material that cause you even see that he has an affair with a wife. Oh, um, really? If you watched, yeah, yeah, they have a sex scene in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like fucking hell so it could have been quite different yeah. and then you've got the cops as well Rachel Ticketon yeah. and Giancarlo Giannini who I had sort of recently around that time seen in the Hannibal the funny. Tony Scott film yeah. and yeah it's uh, it's just fascinating watching it and it's beautiful wonderfully shot I think this is his best looking film I think he'd honed that editing and look because he sort of changed in the 2000s to give it an even grittier look and like when you get um, subtitles appear on the screen they don't just go across the bottom they appear all over the place don't they yeah yeah. as the words come up and page and that was that was brilliant I thought and uh, what he did with sound and music again as I said earlier he started using a bit more Nine Inch Nails but it was just little subtle cues thrown in there and um, it's great I think think it's his uh, what is it his best film no uh, for me, probably his second best film. <laughs> yeah. um, I really, really enjoy this film. It's a bit like The Crow as well in the second half, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, Revenge story. He take them down yeah, one at a time. Is, um, so, you know, can, it, it, what I love about it is the fact that you've had all this time in the movie with him being, you know, this sort of washed out... Um, drunk. Know, yeah, introspective, mm-hmm. drunk, you know, uh, guy who you know is obviously... Hard as fuck, but but you haven't seen it really. Um, That's right. You just see him contemplating suicide to, to Blue Bayou. <laughs> yeah, you know, you become sympathetic to him, and he's he is sort of softened towards uh, Dakota Fanning's character, and you know, and you kind of have all this, and then and then once he's on the case in terms of trying to track down, you know, all those people and being absolutely ruthless with them. Yeah, uh, you know when he's <laughs> snipping that guy's fingers off, I'm like, you know, yeah, wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, 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 the guy that he you know, strapped to the back of the car and stuck a bomb up his ass—that's the one yeah. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah. But yeah, no, the first guy who he's cutting and chopping fingers off—that's that's a great scene. And uh, and cauterizing them, wasn't he, or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With the cigarette light, and that makes me cringe because I actually burnt my finger as a, on a car cigarette lighter when I was a child once. Yeah. So anytime I see car cigarette lighters and film on books, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Nasty. you know it is a massive change up, and it and it is kind of it makes that whole the violence of it, um, you know, the, the, what he's doing. Um, you know, it borderlines on. You, know, you have to keep reminding yourself that this is the good guy because yeah. it's so bad. You know, mm. and you think, oh, these are bad guys, and you know, he's the good guy, so it's okay. And, and you think, well, fucking hell, that's pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, great, great stuff. Although I, I will say that as typical in this kind of film, and I've brought this issue up with films in the past. Where you have a male hero and you have a bunch of not necessarily well villains, bad people, they always tend to go a little bit easier on the women. 
Because when he goes into that nightclub, there's the guy with the frizzy hair and the woman. He has no problem taking a shotgun to the guy's chest, but the woman he lets live. Mm. With a sort of stern telling off. And I'm like, fuck you, come on, if you're going to do it, do them all. <laughs> it's the same issue I had with um, Harvey Dent in the, the Batman from The Dark Knight, where he goes on his rampage, and the one person that he who just so happens to have the coin flip in their favour is the female cop. Yeah. All the others are male and they all get done in. I think it's just a subtle thing that writers go, right, right, if you're going to harm people, keep it away from children, pets and women as much as possible. Well, th- those types of things don't don't clinic well, do they? That's that's the thing, especially violence with children. And all that. I mean, there was the famous, um, there was the famous case of uh, uh, the Hills of Eyes with the baby um, mm. that, you know, um, Wes Craven was, you know, they were originally going to, you know, uh, the the baby was going to get it right, and uh, oh right, yeah, 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 and 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 it, and the question was, you know, can we do that? You know, can we really yeah. do that? Is that going to be just a step too far? You know, yeah, um, or is it enough that we've raped a few people? Yeah, I mean, is it? <laughs> yeah, and is it enough? You know, or, you know, do we have? You know, do we have to have some kind of ray of, you know, some kind of innocence that survives to the end, or or can we just go, you know, full bore? And of course, they 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 you know they. they wimped out if you want to look at it that way but I mean mm. you know but I think that kind of thing is sometimes necessary for the sort of uh, t- to kind of deal with the rest of it you know no absolutely and uh, you know to be fair you can't there is a risk of losing your audience if you have your hero go mm. too far but in an in instance like in this instance I was sort of like um, it was more I was seeing it from a scriptwriter's point of view than I was actually from the characters yeah. I was going, you're doing that deliberately. It's not because of what the character would do. You're doing it because you don't want to alienate your audience. Mm. So I was I was being sort of too analytical in that sort of sense. But we're talking a minor thing yeah. here. And an otherwise excellent film. And the ending, oh God, that's... You, you half expect it to race towards glory and all the bad guys being taken down and that's it. But it, it doesn't. It, it slowly gets there. And yeah. the end trade-off is just a perfect wet, wet, wet end I thought because there is a happy ending but it's an ending for him as well yeah oh yeah yeah it's amazing it's, it's, but you can be like oh that's not the way you want it to end for them but at the same time you're like that's it, it's oh I don't know I just find it a, a thing of beauty <laughs> yeah you, you do not want him to meet a violent end at their hands but, but you somehow mm. feel that him kind of just passing away in the car um, mm is somehow kind of that's yeah i mean it was just the balance the kind of tone was perfect and that yeah um, yeah that ending is brilliant especially that long walk over the, the, the flyover and you know it, it's it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. really takes its time and allows that whole uh, sort of real really get Cause at that it. point i was like oh my god is this how it's gonna end they're gonna he's just gonna give himself over to them what the fuck yeah. because uh, i was like why isn't he on the phone going no bring her back or I will kill your brother instead he's like no I'll do you a trade and you can have me as well yeah. um, almost screaming at him going what the hell are you doing but it, it's, uh, it is wonderful and again if you watch the deleted scenes you'll see there's a slight there is an alternate ending that is not as good it's more for the, the crowd that want things to go out with a bang <laughs> uh, I, I recommend you check out the alternative ending and then yeah, you, you'll yeah. see that I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it did you ever <laughs> see the, um, the other Man on Fire the Scott Glenn one have you seen that one no. No. Yeah. I, no. I, I I checked that out actually as a. I, uh, I, I, when, when I knew we were going to do this one because I hadn't seen it. Um, still, that's, that's a good film too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Brian Helgeland <laughs> did the screenplay for this, but based on a book. Yeah. 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 It is, yeah. Yeah. Brian Helgeland. He was quite good. 
but more on him later. Well, anything else you want to say on this one? Um, I'm feeling I'm missing so much out on it, but yeah. because it's just that goddamn good. But it's, it's a it's one of those movies that I think is it just stands up. Um, you mm. can watch it. I mean, you know, it's it's never disappointing. It's for, it's a great film. It's very, it is, yeah. and it's very long, but it never feels it. Mm. There is so much. There's just so much depth and uh, just so much richness, richness to it with all the characters, even the, the the people in the smaller roles, even like Christopher Walken. And Mickey Rourke perhaps pulls the short straw, but then if it, if it was just a different actor playing the role who wasn't well known, you wouldn't give a shit. Mm. It's only because it's Mickey Rourke that you're like, hey, why not more Mickey Rourke? And, and perhaps Walken, you know, I mean, you know, he he is not much more than the cameo as well, isn't it? And, mm. and but but you know, again, he's. I mean, I'm a big fan of his, and I didn't. Mm. I, I wasn't. I don't watch this film and think, oh, you know, I really wish that there was more of him in it. I mean, when you look at it just from the point of view of being a fan of Christopher Walken, you you do, yeah. or you could. But yeah, absolutely. The, but the, taking the film on balance is like, no, no, it's, mm. it's fine. You know, it's fine. No, he's good. I, I enjoyed his scenes. He's good. Yeah, but I, I just think it is Scott reaching the pinnacle of getting everything perfect. The shooting style, so especially the shooting style and the editing. I can't put enough emphasis on he finally got that style and tone mm. perfect in this film. No, you're right, you're right. I think, yeah, and I, I think the, the style um, is in evidence but in check as well in ways that it wouldn't be later on mm. as well. But always innovating as well at the same time, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, this one's a, a five. Yeah, I'd say it's five. Straight out five. Yeah. Well, uh, well, yeah. I wanted more Mickey Rourke, and I got it with the next film. You did. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes, be very careful what you wish for. And we're talking. I think it is actually like the year after. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah, the year after. I am a bounty hunter. Yes. This film can go fuck off and <laughs> take a run and jump. How do you go from that high to that low? I'm going to say it now. This is the worst one. And just watching it going, you know how how I said the last one, he got the editing style right? This one's really annoying. Mm. And as the camera's shaking as you edit at the same time, it just makes me want to puke. And the colour, because you you quite often in a uh, Tony Scott film, you'll get that kind of uh, lots of yellows and greens in there. Uh, Certainly a lot of greens in something like Deja Vu, what we'll get to, but lots of yellows in things like uh, Man on Fire that we Mm. just touched. And in this one, it looks like urine. It looks like someone pissed on the negative. It's like urine-soaked film. Yeah, I deliberately wrote that in my notes. Urine-soaked <laughs> film. Mm-hmm. It just and the film is just a, a load of piss. And Kira Knightley is an action star. I don't want to. I don't want to go on a swearing rant because I don't actually think it's clever to do that. But fucking hell. <laughs> it was, yeah, uh, you know when we were planning the um, the podcast and yeah. Uh, you know, looking down the um, the filmography and looking at the films that we were going to cover. Um, yeah, there were you know the, obviously you look at the film titles and you, and so, you know some of them you know really well and some of them you don't know that well and and uh, you know and, and you know you tend to kind of formulate a you know a quick sort of a quick capsule review in your head, don't you? Mm. And um, and yeah. can we get Bill Hicks on that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am invoking Sir Bill of Hicks. Bill's quick capsule review, Beats of Shirt. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, I, I, you know, the thing I thought, um, other than, you know, after Beats of Shirt, uh, was um, 
that I had to watch it again, you know, because I was like, I, I didn't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did, I did, but, uh, but yeah. And I think I pretty much saved know, this one for, for almost thing? last, I think. Yeah. See, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually not a Kira hater, you know, I, I quite, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I used to, you know, she was sort of laminated this for me in a way when she first appeared on the scene. Um, mm. I was a big fan of hers, but, um, but yeah, you, you, you can't, no. She looks like a really malnutritioned yeah. Bonona Ryder and Helena Bonham car stuck together. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think that she just belongs in period dramas, which she does very well in. I just don't like her in action films. I don't like the whole girl power thing because she can't pull it off. Because she, she could step off, on no. her. No. And the funniest thing, of course, is that you know, at the end of the movie, you have that little shot of the real Domino, don't you? And yeah. of course, Domino, um, you know, she, yes, she did do some modeling and she was kind of. You know this sort of you know you know strangely sort of. She know, looks much more androgynous, doesn't she? Yeah, and she she really isn't anything like Kira Knightley, and and, and you mm. can imagine her uh, <laughs> pistol whipping someone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I can't. But you know, Kira just can't do it. She just doesn't have, doesn't have the yeah. physicality. Tilda she, Swinton may have been a bit too old for the part, but it's more that kind of a lady, I would say. Yeah. But was she like mid thirties at the time the film was made? The real Domino Harvey? Um uh, she died yeah, right yeah, as it came did. out, didn't yeah, she? Yeah she did, yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, the film is dedicated to Harvey who died at only thirty five years of age. Yeah. Daughter of Lawrence Harvey from the Mancurian candidate. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful film. Yes. Uh, and the remake with uh Denzel Washington. Yes, yes. Fantastic film. Anyway, that's another podcast. Yeah. Uh <laughs> wait for the John- Jonathan Demi one for that. You know, you know where this jumps the shark for me. This, I mean, you know, in a movie that is just you know hard to watch anyway, mm-hmm. but the but the jump the shark moment for me, and it was just as ridiculous. This you know watching it again um, as it was the first time I saw it was was the arm chopping off the arm um, scene mm-hmm. in the in the in the Winnebago, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, really, you know, really they do that, really, you know, yeah. like anyone would do. That. <laughs> you know, because of some phone call that was garbled and you know they didn't quite understand what he was saying and and it's a, like like really they would chop his bloody arm off for <laughs> fuck's sake no it was crazy yeah, yeah. it was a it was a, a a difficult watch and the screenplay was by richard kelly who was literally just off donnie darko right and you got i mean what was the deal with the 90210 guys as well you know these hosts it's like you know they, these two guys have just got personality bypasses. They're useless, and um, <laughs> you know what? What is the what was the thinking behind bringing those two guys back into a you know a movie? You know, it's like oh, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> they were like uh, the worst two in nine hundred two one zero, probably. You know, oh, anyway, there you go. So <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> What else can you say uh, about it? Uh, we can say, is it worthy of a star? Uh, what do you? Think, how do you rate Rourke in it? How do I? Uh, Rourke. Um, but yeah, you know what? I suppose he's worth some value. I think he's worth some value. Yeah. So I don't want to keep whipping out the the zero star no, on a whim. No, so, value, but yeah. but but believe me, this one is 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 worthy of considering of a zero star but I think yeah when you look at when you pull it apart yeah there is some value and it is Mickey Rourke yeah 
mainly and there's maybe like Delro Lindo pops up yeah, and he's yeah, never yeah, bad yeah. Um, he's just in a fucking awful film um, Chris think, Walken again I think, um, yeah I mean the Zero Star you know when when we were talking about um, you know giving Batman and Robin uh, you know the Zero Star and and, uh, and Catwoman you know you're, you're talking about movies where you just cannot think of a single redeeming that's right, and we we almost gave uh, Batman and Robin something for Schwarzenegger, we but we said even when he was trying, yeah. it was undercut. Yeah, and, with uh, dumb stuff. So with this, you know, I, I don't think I don't think the um, yeah that that horrendous cutting and the uh, and the um, cinematography, well, you know, the the color um, uh, palette and, and 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 Kira, I don't think it's quite enough. <laughs> I think Rourke, there's a few bits where he's kind of watchable. Yeah, I didn't mind the other guy really either. I thought you know Edgar Ramirez. I thought he was a bit fucking stroppy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gone on to do better stuff. He he he, uh, he was in the third Bourne movie. Yeah, he was. He yeah, really, I mean, yeah he didn't watched, really have any lines. He was good. the last one, wasn't he? Yeah, and like I say, Delroy's pretty reliable. Um, I yeah, like it when he pops up and stuff. You know, he's pretty good. But yeah, uh, so yeah, it's got to be a one, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I'll give it a one. Yeah, fine. Go. Good. Well, you know, now that the worst is behind us, we can move on to Deja Vu. Yes. Again, he was turning him out pretty quickly. So this is 2006. It's his uh, next film with Denzel. So their third film together now. And you've got, yeah, Bruckheimer producing again. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, this one's weird. It's odd. This was the only one that I had not fully seen when we decided to do this podcast. So this one was it's fairly new for me. Mm. I remember I'd seen bits of it, but I think someone had had it on a copy or something, and I just lost interest and just didn't give a shit. But I uh, I knew it stood out for me because Val Kilmer was also back again with Tony yeah. Scott uh, after two films, I think. No, Top Gun and True Romance, is that right? Um, I think that's right. Yeah, sounds about right. And uh, a few other notable figures in there, and uh, Jim Caviezel playing a bad guy who mm. I was a fan of. And uh, yeah, I watched this. Sat down, watched it, and it, you know, it's it's kind of a cracking yarn. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> the premise is really doesn't make well, doesn't make sense. They try and make sense of it, but it, it's just really stupid. Sort of sci-fi setup. I think they should have stuck their tongue in their cheek a little bit more. Yeah. With this, but that's not to say that it's not enjoyable. I, I did enjoy watching it. I did. And I, I, I definitely enjoyed Jim Caviezel. He had a couple of nice little dialogue scenes in there, yeah. which were good. And Denzel was just always worth watching. But he's, he's pretty much, I would say, this is him on autopilot. Yeah. Denzel <clears throat> and Val Kilmer doesn't do anything really, apart from just show up. Paula Patton is. I think she's she's watchable. I think she's yeah. nice. Um, yeah. I was actually but, uh, glad. Weird, weirdly, um, weirdly, I hadn't. Yeah, you know, I, I was like you. I, I don't. I'm not sure. I even. I don't think I'd even seen this one. Um, mm. And so I, I, I actually um, had this privilege of being able to watch the movie, not knowing what it was about, and not having any Excellent. idea that the time travel thing was going to actually happen. Until yeah, I yeah. figured it out, you know, I, until I sort of figured that out, something was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, right. yeah. And so I actually started the movie thinking, oh my God, you know, that this lovely woman, this poor, you know, Paula Patton's character, is not in the movie. She's only in it in kind of, you know, like this, when they're doing that sort of incredible 3D surveillance <laughs> stuff, that you start going, what the fuck, there's no way that's so Yeah, crazy. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when it all kind of finally reveals that, oh, well, it's actually to do with time travel, you think, oh, right, okay, mm. so, yeah, yeah, okay, we can, we, 
can forgive it then a little bit more because it's sci-fi but mm. I really didn't know that it was going to do that and um, so you were kind of look, it, it sort of undermined a little bit the um, the kind of uh, suspension of disbelief you know, because I was like looking at this <laughs> surveillance mm. that they were doing thinking wow this is real that's really hardcore because <laughs> yeah. so, I, I was thinking about what Washington was doing at the time I remember he'd done another filler called was it Out of Time? Or something, which is almost—it's not a real time thriller, but it's, it's set over a, a short period of time, and it's a bit of a pot boiler where the clock is ticking against him, and he's worked for the police department, and he's gotten himself involved with the wrong people, the wrong woman, and it's—it's it, uh, it's very akin to that Costa movie from the 80s, shit with Gene Hackman, where he's the naval officer and he has to find a spy, and because the woman that he's having an affair with has been murdered by Hackman. God. Who was played by Sean Young? Fuck! Oh God. oh God, I am not having the right bloody night tonight when no. it's thinking about films. This doesn't sound familiar to you? Um, no. Although uh, as soon as you come up with the, with, the, with the film title, I'll go. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has the affair with Sean Young, and then uh, Gene Hackman comes home, and he ends up murdering her by accident. And the next day at work, Costner is charged with basically finding himself. But he's being outed as a spy, although he's not really. But in the end, there's a twist and blah blah blah. And Will Patton's in there, and he is trying to help Hackman track him. Uh, no way out. Oh, no way out. Yes. Okay. See, I told you. I'd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that for that payoff. Yeah. yeah, great. I thought this was going to be more of a sort of a pot boil like that. And in in a sense, it is because he has got a race against the clock because they've they've only got so they can only look at the future at a certain sort of period. Yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, whenever you deal with time travel in in, in a movie you got, or a book, you know, you you have the, they have to set down some ground rules. And as long as the, um, mm. as long as what I hate the most about any time travel story is when they break their own rules. So, like the the most recent example of that is the is the uh, Richard Curtis movie that came out this year. You know, um, what was it called? Oh God, um, about time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that movie is kind of like. It, it doesn't really worry about breaking its own rules and it does repeatedly and it doesn't really matter because it's you know not really about the time travel but you know that's what kind of you run the risk doing when you do that sort of stuff and like so with this one it was kind of like yeah you you, you wouldn't want to examine it too closely but yeah you know. but it's a yeah, it's, it's a quite a fun ride though yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I know what you mean with Denzel uh, you know I think <laughs> he's always watchable but there is a certain there's a certain type of movie that he does where you think that he's just being Denzel. Yes, you know? and I think he does that for the rest of these movies with Tony Scott. He's pretty much being Denzel, mm. whereas something like Man of Fire, you saw something different there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whether whether he's doing serious or cocky charm, he he still kind of sort of reigns into the same sort of thing, and it's it's never it's never bad. It's just nothing new. Mm. So this one is for me. It's pretty much a sort of a, a three-star enjoyable thriller with a weird sort of hook to it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was an it's an odd thing to have a to 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 swing that kind of time travel, uh, you know, thing into it in in the way that they did. You mm. know, because it was you know they didn't set those um that out too clearly from the start you know you didn't realize that, that, that that's the way that it was going to go and, I, and and if that was the intention then it, then job done but it kind of does feel a bit sort of odd doesn't it once that once you once the, once he climbs into that little 
pod-like thing and you think, man, they're sending him back in time. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay, that's really gone off into you know, somewhere where I wasn't expecting it to go there. Still, there you go. Well, uh, Denzel return again for the next one yep. in 2009 where they did a remake yes. of The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 Indeed. with John Travolta on bad guy duties again. Mm-hmm. Once again, screaming, raging bad guy. And Did you watch the original? I've never seen the original yes. with Walter Matthau yeah. and... I didn't watch it recently. I didn't. I didn't catch up with it for you know recently. But I have. I tried to find it, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, but I, I did. I am interested. Apparently, it's very good. The original. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of because the original doesn't is not set in a digital age. I I, I think the, the the original probably has a little bit more tension in it. But yeah. this one, and Brian Helgeland, who did the screenplay for Man on Fire. I thought what could go wrong but I watched it and to be honest I was a bit bored mm. found it a bit it didn't really go anywhere kind of like the train carriage it just sort of sat there and did very little <laughs> and where's our money or I'm going to start killing people and wouldn't you know it he starts killing people and but again uh, never the woman <laughs> no. no let's have a guy sort of step up and uh, t- take that bullet for her it, no it, it, it's I mean for me I, I, I can't I'm not a big. I'm not able to deal with Travolta um, in you know like anything. I I I don't dislike Travolta. <laughs> I, li- I like I like him in some stuff. I mean, obviously, Pulp Fiction you don't like, but I love it. But there's I just things... saw his brother Joey in Beverly Hills Cop Three. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I I it's not like it's not that I don't like Travolta, but I find his bad guys not so good. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of his the way he do, does. Do you think he goes too over the top? I just think that he's a bit of a big girl's blouse in reality, and and that he just doesn't <laughs> quite pull off a, a, a properly menacing, you know, um, formidable presence. Even though he sort of should, because he's a big guy and everything. So you weren't convinced by no. Swordfish? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> or Face Off? No. No. Uh, one just... actually, there is one that I do like. Yeah. His performance as a bad guy, and that was the Punisher, um, because it was a bit more subdued. The, yeah, the Thomas Jane one. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. I can't recall that at the moment, but in terms of his performance. But yeah, I, I mean, I like. I think I'm a, I'm a fan of. You know, he's he's great at c- comedic stuff. He's great at being a sort of. He's he can be very lovable. You know, I liked his character. In, I mean, I was a big fan of Phenomenon. I know people take that apart, but I thought it was great. I, I mean, I liked. I just liked it. it. Was a sweet movie, kind of sad. You know, blah blah blah. I liked his character in it. You know, but then you know, then he'll go and do something like Broken Arrow, and you go, you're gonna fuck off. You know, you just don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I find it hard to. To deal with him, with the you know, like he's got the shades on, he's got the goatee. And, and yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, you're a big girl. <laughs> James Gandolfini's in this film as well. There's the mayor, isn't he? Uh, yes. If you want to see a good film with James Gandolfini and John Travolta, go watch Get Shorty. Get Shorty's That's great. Good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and you see, there you go. I had to watch something to get me over that Pulp Fiction hump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his uh, um, character in in, in Get Shorty is great because he has that comedic side and that you know he he's channeling yeah, a different thing. He's not just he and he comes across as as being 
you know, tough as old boots and hard and everything, but but it's not the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. So this, so it didn't work for me in this. And Denzel again, well, you know, again, it's 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 a kind of, you know, everyday guy sat at the console, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, and I was just watching it going. Really, they're expecting me to get uh, to feel that this film is tense. No, this film relies largely on performances, really, mm. and they're not all that great. Mm. But the the actual the you know the bad guy's plan, I just thought was dumb. Yeah. Again, in today's day and age, like I said, that's why I'd like to see the original because I think it would be a bit more there'd be a lot more tension there. But with this, it's like yeah, they'll they'll track you down and shoot you in no time, pal. Yeah. yeah. But. Pfft, yeah, no, this was a, a waste of time. A, what on earth compelled them to go, oh, we need to remake this, and I know the perfect way to do it? Mm. No, it was it was a piece for two A-list actors to go, yeah, I want to be in this, and let's be in this, and we can have some good scenes uh, dealing with each other. Washington can be all trying to keep calm and collected as uh, Travolta rants on the other end. Yeah, and, I mean, a, and, and in the middle, they'll muse on live along the way, but it's like, pfft, fuck off. Yeah, you have to... Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, you, you have to, you obviously have to update the situation to take into account the, the technology changes in technology and, and, and yeah, still absolutely. and maintain the, the, the tension and, and, and the sort of um, the verisimilitude of it. You know, the kind of sort of the kind of like how it would play out. And you think, yeah, that would, that's fine. I believe that kind of thing. Um, but then you have to have you have to have absolutely top-notch writing in something like this. If, if you're going to have these two guys, you know, just kind of um, over the phone quite a lot of the time you know bantering and, and with that sort of tension you know you just don't know you know I mean you know there's a there's there's a they, I think they get a bit of that there's a bit of this thing where um, I quite like the scene where they'd sent Denzel off and uh, the other guy the negotiator was on the line and, and Travolta takes greater exception and then someone ends up getting shot I thought that was about as close That's as right, that yeah, movie got to, to actually a proper bit of tension you know yeah that was uh, it was scenes like that that probably sold the script to both of them yeah and I dare say Tony Scott to an extent as well but god yeah, yeah. yeah oh god, that's one of those endings as well where it's like it's, it's, you have to shoot me shoot me it's either me or you and then you're forcing the good guy to shoot him mm. Denzel you don't need our permission just shoot the fucker <laughs> 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 well yeah this one's a two I think yeah um, yeah two. I might even drop below that but I, I was like I, two it's not one that I would come back to um, sort of Particularly, I can't imagine. I think it's safe to say that I will never watch this again. Yeah. Definitely go and check out the original. Though. I'm, I might as well. I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will do. Well, that brings us to the last film in the Tony Scott biography, which is again Denzel Washington coming back again, okay. and uh, Chris Pine mm. in Unstoppable. Fresh now, this track. one had been sort of sitting around for a little while I remember when uh, this one was going into production and you know her unstoppable train and I was like really? <laughs> I kind of saw a lot of those in the 80s <laughs> do I need to see but, it, but I had no idea it was based on a, a, a true event Yeah. and I saw this this is the only Tony Scott film that I actually saw as a reviewer that I reviewed and my review was not favourable mm. it, uh, it, it was by no means Horrid, but I I kind of thought, wow, that was two hours. No, it wasn't two hours. It was about an hour and forty minutes of not a lot happening, 
a lot of setup and then very very little happening itself and to be fair if we're basing it on a true life event there's only so many people they can start killing off <laughs> yeah. so many explosions they can set off but I was like really do we really want to make make this you know a thriller and I think what annoyed me the most was when the train first starts speeding up uh, and being a runaway you're getting uh, he, he keeps cutting away to like school children out with their teacher mm. and I'm like oh fuck off you're going to get to a point where it's almost going to hit these kids Kind of, it's kind of like you know the old uh, like the lady with a pram walking down the street, and there's a car coming along the other direction. It's like, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, the telegraphing. Is, Are they going to collide? Yeah. And the car hits the pram, but it's full of cans or something. <laughs> was that speed? Uh, yeah, that does sound. I think that was speed. Yeah. Where was a fucking bag lady that almost ran over? <laughs> <laughs> or it's the old uh, you know it's the old car car chase happening somewhere you know a few few blocks away. And, uh, you know, uh, there's the old uh, barrels of fruit and the guys with the pane of glass. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think, yep, that pane of glass is going to be broken in about two minutes and the fruit's yeah. going to be all over the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, come on, uh, uh, for, well, for me, I thought, Tony Scott's above this kind of shit. Why is he, he must just be making a penny or just having a laugh with his mates. Maybe um, he really because, likes trains. Yeah. Yeah, might, could be just um, that. You know, likes to well, I mean, he, he went, you know, all out on his, on his atypical shooting style. Mm. Everybody on his crew were in, you know, the same guy that's been doing his music for a while and, you know, all, all the same sort of people are there doing their thing. Denzel's there doing his thing as well and Chris Pine is fine. It's just, I'm just like, yeah. How do you feel? Did you see this one at the cinema? No, 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 it didn't. Um... <laughs> It didn't appeal, I have to say. Um. Aside from the, the fact that it's a Tony Scott film and, and it's shot in his sort of style, does this say to you, yeah, this is a film that should be made for the cinema? This is a movie of the week on television. Yeah. Made a, for television. Yeah, it's a TV movie type. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a classic sort of B-movie you know, thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's Runaway yeah. Train, right? Um, and there are better Runaway Train stuff out there, whether mm. it's like... I mean, you remember the... You ever see the Cassandra Crossing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty mental. Yeah, I mean, and and even... Um, well, sorry, actually, no, I was about to do the unthinkable then and, and start talking about Under Siege 2, but that, no, that really is a pile of shit as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a film called Runaway Train, isn't there, with John Voight? Um, and Eric Roberts? They both got nominated for Oscars for that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- the trouble is the title. Here, you know, the, the title's really cool. You know, it's mm. a cool title, and it's almost sort of, you know, you you want more out of a title like that. I feel. You know, yeah. Um, because and like you say, because it's uh, the sort of based on a true story. Now, I mean, you know, and I mean, based on a true story doesn't ever, you know, doesn't really necessarily mean you have to rein in the the chaos because you know based on just mean bugger all didn't it there was a train that's it's based on you know um uh but so the, it could have been more carnage uh, you know filled but but the um the title does seem to sort of suggest something a bit more unstoppable doesn't it yeah <laughs> you know? and and it kills the trouble is it's one of those things it's, it's like when the guy gets out of the poxy train and he's left it in whatever that you know gear thing whatever it is that happens and it flicks off and he starts moving and he's out mm. of the train you think yep and and you just think man you know that was just the dumbest thing anyone's ever done in a film well, I can't well, I can think about and do people really do that I mean obviously he... and they got Ethan Supley to play the part yeah who's always playing a typically dumb guy dumb guy yeah and um, yeah 
Elle's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he gets out of the train, and I'm like, don't get out of the train. And it, it, yeah. it's almost like it's almost like a like the setup of an episode of Casualty. You know? Yeah. No, it's okay. I'll get out of the train, and I'll go and fix this thing. And then you think, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, the the title proves to be completely incorrect. Hmm. It should have been called Stoppable. Yeah, ultimately stoppable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in the end. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I thought that the whole thing when when they were got to that point in the track, you know, where there was just the curvature around, and and it was uh, they they'd only slowed it down a certain amount, and it was kind of up on two wheels doing a sort of James Bond through the. <laughs> you know, um, I, I I I was watching that, and I was thinking, you know. Yeah, next it'll be uh, yeah. They just didn't playing know. a piccolo in the background. <laughs> next it'll be a, a, a broken bridge with a twist, you know, and you'll you know, <laughs> <laughs> and the train will jump across a gorge or something. Nah, I mean, it, yeah, it didn't really. Yeah, you can tell I wasn't. Back. <laughs> it's uh, a shame it, because this is the last movie, and then of course the, the guy yeah, bowed out. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. After this, I know he he was planning to do a remake of the Warriors. Which which would have been interesting again, bringing it up yeah. into the modern age. It's like, oh, how might have that gone? But then again, violent, it could have been a complete disaster, like mm. Pelham One Two Three. Mm. But Unstoppable is a, is a, a two. I got no, actually, I'll say a two and a half because it's not a horrid watch. It's just nothing new, and yeah. should have been made for TV. Yeah, but, um, it has but it's not bad. It. And um, and everyone, mm. they're, 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 it's very tropey, isn't it? In fact, in terms of all the all the kind of characters, you know, Rosario Dawson's character and. And all the kind of the other guy, the official guy, like the ins- inspector guy that comes in, and it's like yeah. you watch this on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. So I, again, if I saw this on, and it was a Sunday afternoon, I just wanted to sit on the couch and watch and eat something, and you know, didn't want to waste my time channel surfing. Then I'd be like, yeah, I'll leave that on because yeah. it's harmless, but it doesn't do anything. So the best I can give it is two and a half. Mm. But if you switched over and Tango and Cash was on, you'd watch that, right? Fucking right, <laughs> in a flash. <laughs> Yeah. And flash tango and cash. <laughs> Absolutely. I need to get that on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that I can just put it on. <laughs> yeah. Never mind channel surfing. I'll stand by at all times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can you look back then and give me your top five? Ooh. Um... Tony Scott movies. Well, we did this for some other ones. We did this for like Carpenter. We did, didn't we? Um... Yeah. Yeah, I suppose we can Ball do that, can we? What's, what, what would yours be? I think I think Man on Fire is going to be right there. Uh, it, it's definitely up high. I'm just having mm. a look at the list now. Right, we, uh, Yeah, well, top five. In, well, in backwards order, um, in fifth, I would say... Oh, you know what? It, it might bounce about between The Fan and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Mm-hmm. I suppose if you were to nail me down, I'd probably have to say The Fan. Okay. Yeah, okay. Four is definitely Last Boy Scout. Yeah. And three is most definitely Crimson Tide. Right on. Wonderful film. Two is Man on Fire. And one, the one that turns me into a crybaby, Revenge. Revenge. Okay, yeah, mine's a little different. I would say... uh, Mm. Yeah, I would say five... That's what I like about Tony Scott List is that he's the kind of director where people that you know his films, your top fives will bound to be very different yeah my I think five Beverly Hills got two sweet uh, four is probably Last Boy Scout mm-hmm. um, three I guess it's got to be Crimson Tide mm-hmm. and two 
True Romance one Man on Fire excellent yeah Man I've left out out some good stuff there as well that's weird in fact I've left out the Mm. fan which is weird because I really like that anyway yeah yeah that's what I said it's difficult to sort of uh, squeeze them down Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people tend to rate True Romance quite highly. I'm just not one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those films. I mean, you know, we said it when we were, when we were talking about it. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, that it's uh, it's just one of those movies that resonates with uh, some people, and not with others. You know, uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a kind of way that's sort of above and beyond the sort of um, you know the, the bare bones or the kind of sum of the you know. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it had that kind of residual. It was the Tarantino. Uh, you know, it kind of got swept up um, on the sort of subsequent p- post pulp fiction wave, I think, with, with Tarantino's popularity. Excellent. Well, there are there are top fives. You know, there's a couple in there that are the same, but some differences for sure. But as I sort of just said, everybody tends to have very, very different top fives when it comes to Tony Scott, I think. I know people that love Top Gun. I know people that love The Hunger. I know people that. No, I don't know when it loves Days of Thunder, I don't think. Um, yeah. And that pretty much brings us to the end. The end of the Tony Scott Retrospective Podcast. So thank you very much, Ben, for both of those. Uh, You're very welcome, sir. And people can look forward to next listening to us talk about Bruce Lee. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Cool. But until then, we will speak to you all again soon. Bye-bye.